0: Yeah, you know, but the the right tech can really help, you know, organize you a little better. But you still have to know kind of how to use it, and is it really the fit that you think that it is? And there's so many times that uh, uh, you can get a misconception about how to use something, uh, good or bad, and kind of make or break. Does it does it really make sense for you know spending your time, effort, effort, energy, resources on a new new tool, or or a new process, or a new a new venture within inside of uh, real estate?
1: You are listening to The Real Estate Sessions with Bill Risser of Fidelity National Title, Tampa District. The Real Estate Sessions podcast is part of the Industry Syndicate Media Network. For additional real estate podcasts, check out industrysyndicate.com. Now, your host, Bill Risser. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 187 of The Real Estate Sessions podcast. As I always say, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for telling a friend. It really is um, a passion project for me that is very exciting that so many people like to listen to it as well. So uh, I'm going to keep doing it. We're coming up on four years here at the end of July, and uh, I don't see us stopping anytime soon, especially when I get guests like today's guest. I've, I've known Rhett Harmon uh, of, of just outside of Atlanta. Rhett is the owner broker for Century 21 Novus Realty in Carrollton, I've known him through the Inman connection. I have a lot of people that I've made that connection with. Brad's absolutely right when Inman Connect is all about connecting, and uh, I, he, I know he's got an interesting story. I'm very excited to talk to him. Rhett, welcome to the podcast.
0: Thanks, Bill. Appreciate you having me. So I, I got
1: that right. Carrollton, Georgia, a suburb of Atlanta.
0: Correct. So it's okay. one of the it's part of the Atlanta MSA uh, okay. metropolitan service area. So uh, we're 45 miles due west. So I always kind of tell people as a geographic reference, you know, I-20 runs east and west um you know it's pretty much from georgia south carolina line all the way to texas so we're right there at the georgia alabama line and uh, about 45 miles just straight straight shot into atlanta on, on i-20 and uh uh you know it's a neat little suburb a lot of people uh, live here and work here but if you want to get to atlanta you know it's it's not a bad drive uh in and you know we have a lot of fun with a lot of uh a lot of homes with acreage here, a lot of just lands, a lot of agribusiness, business. So, uh, medium price point for the market's about one sixty, which is, gosh, less than a half, half to a third of a lot of areas that are more, you know, metro inside of Atlanta. But it's a, it's a great place to live, work, play, have fun, and uh, that's that's kind of what we do.
1: And did you grow up there?
0: Uh, I actually grew up in a little small town, uh, Noonan, which was only uh, 20, 20 miles or so away from where where I am now. But uh, Noonan's just uh, you know straight south of Atlanta. And we we'll have a lot of obviously roads that connect everything together. But uh, yeah, I came to uh, Carrollton in '98, graduated high school, um, uh, went to the University of West Georgia, which is located here in Carrollton, and got my license while I was a junior in college. And uh, um, you know, never really left. My wife was from here, and uh, kind of got started. And actually, my degree from University of West Georgia is in real estate. It's a bachelor's of business administration, uh, very similar to uh, a finance, marketing, management. You know, degree, but it's actually I mean specific to real estate.
1: Let's let's talk about that for a second because I, I find that I've had one hundred and eighty-seven guests on the show, and I'm going to say six were in school knowing real estate was in their future. How did that work for you? You knew going into college that you wanted to be a realtor or do something else with real estate? No, not
0: not exactly so I knew that uh, I, my parents were uh, they had their own business and, and worked with them and it was good and learned a lot from it but I knew that that's not what I wanted to do you know the rest of my life and uh, knew going you know you need to go to school for something and uh, um, you know business was kind of something that was that always interested interest me so got a little bit of uh, did a little research into like what are the different options or what can I look into and, and they don't have this anymore but the university at the time had a thing called a green sheet and it was just a green piece of paper and it listed all the different degrees you could earn uh, from the College of Business, and it also had kind of next to it what the anticipated or range of salaries or earnings could potentially be with someone with a degree in that field. So a lot of different range of numbers, obviously, and real estate was almost double of everything else on that paper. So I, I kind of say I went after the money to start with Bill, <laughs> but, <laughs> Which is... but 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 I didn't I didn't really think about, you know, hey, I want to sell houses. I was thinking like, you know, a uh, m- little more like uh, maybe I want to be a developer and I want to, you know, get into something a little bit larger, maybe in, inside of the land. was kind of my initial thought when I saw real estate, but then I realized, you know, what? I might as well get started. You know, early on in the process and I think you know selling houses is it sounds like a good way to get started with that. And you know, it kinda goes into, you know, I was in sales with my parents' business I did ice cream distribution. So we went around and sell, you know selling ice cream kind of wholesale to, you know, gas stations, schools, convenience stores and stuff. And uh, you know, kinda had to learn that uh, that stuff fairly early on in life, which was uh which was, you know, kinda kinda cool. And you know, a lot of that translated over into you know uh, just sales in general with real estate, so I was like you know got started early and and had fun with it and started seeing success uh early on and uh you it know, really just kind of uh, enjoyed it. I really had no intention of staying dr- exactly here where where I am, but I was able to buy my house before I graduated college and was able to do it on my own and had the down payment and all that good stuff so it was it was really kind of a uh you know a really fun experience all the way around and
1: you've obviously taken it well beyond just become just being a realtor we're going to talk about that as we get deeper into the the podcast here. But first, I got to backtrack a second. Wholesale ice cream. I worked in a grocery store. I was a receiver back in the day when I was in college. I can imagine you driving a truck. It's got a big freezer attached to it, basically, because everything's frozen for ice cream. And you gotta, you're got you delivering yeah. that stuff in the heat of the summer, trying to get it into the freezer in the store as fast as you can. Am I, am
0: I close? You're very close. It's a big, <laughs> big um, it's like a straight box truck, almost like a, yeah. uh, people see the, the large like Penske type trucks, but it had a giant freezer on the back, very heavy, you know, uh, drove uh, international diesels, pretty much what most of the trucks were. And uh, yeah, drove a route truck. And, um, you know, when I was younger, not allowed to drive it. Uh, I, you know, I was a passenger and uh, kind of helped out whoever's driving. And then when I started driving myself, I'd have my own routes in the summer. And on Fridays during the week, I didn't have classes. So I would go out and try to pick up new accounts for their business, too. So <laughs> something I kind of do in the first few years of college. So I've kind of learned that business to business sales and kind of learned it the hard way walking in and knowing who the decision makers are. And a lot of, a lot of lessons learned that I didn't really know I was learning at the time, just kind of, kind of by default.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's great. Let's, let's talk about another career you had. And when I found this, I did not know this. I would have talked to you about this so many times at, uh, at one of those conferences we were at together, but you, you, you're a, you're, you're a DJ. Yeah. first of all, how long ago did you start? Let's talk about that process. And because if you started a long time ago, that equipment was way different. So I want to know about that. But then here's the question I've always wanted to ask a DJ, right? Never had the opportunity. I I just want your top three songs that you hope you never hear again. Because I know there's got to be at least three. Oh, there's there's probably
0: dozens. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a, that's a that's a loaded question, too. And I'll, I'll get back to that. All, but, right. Uh, all right. So so going to DJ business. So let's kind of back up a little bit. I was I've always enjoyed music. always loved music. I was uh, I played the trumpet in the marching band. I did that all through all through college. We did the Macy's Day Parade. Um, we had a it was, you know, band was very well respected at the school that I went to, a fairly large high school for the time. And, you know, it was all, all the cool kids were in band. It was kind of a neat, neat little process. We had a really good director and all that kind of stuff. So kind of uh, went from that into um, I was in a rock band for you know last part of high school and first part of college. I had a good bit of fun doing that stuff. And we uh, you know, recorded an album and we played at a lot of top venues in Atlanta on nights that there wasn't much going on. So it was kind of like an off night, a cool venue and we would sell our own shows and that kind of stuff. And there's a couple other bands we'd play with. So that was kind of fun, but it ended up being a little bit uh, too large. We had nine people in the band and it was, I was one of the trumpet players and it just got a little bit too, too crazy, too quick, but we ended up winning um, second place in a uh, music contest. Uh, Mars music went out of business. It was kind of like a guitar center uh, type location. They're all over the country. There's one in Atlanta, a couple of uh, radio personalities um, at the time we were, were judges of the, the local contest that we actually won first place for and a lot of people it was it was Chris Love love at the time which was on the Atlanta rap stations but it ended up being ludicrous which is uh, I'm I'm not sure you know who he is but sure. he was one of the judges for that. And got a chance to uh you know get with him a little bit and uh you know we went to a couple of recording studios in Atlanta with with the Dallas Austin I had some other some really cool experiences at you know 18, 19 years old, uh seeing some of this stuff and uh, but really just it worked out. There's too many people, too many egos and it just never really anywhere actually I got kicked out of the band is is the, is the short story of it. But, let me let me
1: let me uh, ask you let me ask you a real quick question first of all name of the band
0: uh Groove staying was the name of the band
1: okay uh, and the type of music
0: yeah. we played rock music with horns
1: that's generally. that's interesting because I think chicago was, when you say horns
0: and, kinda we had some stuff that it was a little bit i don't know it wasn't really but there was a ska music that came out for a little okay. while it wasn't really that it was a little bit more it was a little heavy, but at the same time, it was also, you know, people could hear what it was, and it was, we had, we had a good little following for, for what it was at the time, but, nice. but we're, we're leading into this, we ended up, uh, because we won that, that one contest, we, we got a chance to enter into the national contest, you had to go play on the stage, do like a, a two-minute set, and then you got judged by somebody else somewhere else, I think it was like maybe 1,500 bands made it to this final contest nationwide, and we ended up getting second place for that which uh, kind of worked out better for me that did the so first place was um a recording contract second place was a very re- very large sound system well right before we found out we won that they meet another guy they realized hey we're we we're a little bit too big um we already have you know one trumpet player we had two trumpet players two saxophone players so they, they were a little more talented uh than, than i was and probably the other guy so we ended up uh they asked us to um uh, to, to leave, I guess, in a way. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> the, 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 funny thing, the, funny thing about it is, is that, you know, it, it just, it all kind of works out for, you know, for a reason with stuff, I guess. So I ended up having, uh, you know, God only got called all the equipment. So I was like, well, right, let's just split it all up. And I went through all the stuff and I was fair about it. And I got a couple of the pieces that were there and I had the, already had the PA system, uh, that, that the band used. So I took that equipment and put a little bit with it. And so, you know, I was already in college at West Georgia. And I was like, you know, people wanted to hear a DJ as much as they wanted to hear a band. We played a few parties, but they always wanted to hear a DJ. So it really kind of fell into the right place at the right time. So I started DJing fraternity and sorority parties. I uh, started doing the, the Thursday night crowd. And this was back, you know, 2000, 99 2000, 2001 era. And, uh, you know, I owned a lot of equipment. I had to, you know, a lot of music and CDs and stuff like that. But what I did, it took the time. And, and put all that together, the the venues didn't have their own equipment. They didn't know what it took to get the equipment. It's also a lot more expensive than it is now. So I would, that was kind of the mobile setup. I would take everything in and I'd take everything back. So uh, you know, kept it in a little trailer, and and I was doing between two and ten parties a week uh, as a student in the last you know three years of college, and uh, it was really good. I had a great, I made pretty good money doing that. And then it, and then it's, that's how it kind of tied into my real estate business. Someone's, uh, you know, I did all the training and sorority parties. Well then people that always saw me every week said, Hey, I'm getting, we're getting married now. We you do our wedding. Well, I'm sure. Why not? So I kind of got into doing weddings for a while and I probably DJed, I don't know, somewhere between 300 and 400 weddings. And, and what it helped out was getting started in real estate had, you know, money coming in and then also having, you know, a cross market, my audience. So I had, right. you know, people that were getting married needed a new house or people that just bought a new house. They're, they're getting married. They needed a DJ. So it was a really good way for that first time home buyer stuff uh in 2000 like the 2001 when i got licensed uh then two three uh moving forward so um eventually obviously got to be a little bit too much time wise so i really backed off of that i still have the business today i still do i do about three four parties a year i, I make sure i charge for at least two of them and I, there's at least two that i always do one of them's a 5k run for charity stuff and then i do another one for the atlanta board of realtors their chili cook-off for pack every year for the realtor political action committee. I'm kind of the, the MC and DJ for it and stuff. So one of those events I always like to do and uh, it, it's a lot of fun um, all the way around. So that's kind of my, my story with DJ. and then, you know, kind of, kind of just keeping up with the equipment and, you know, we'll we have events at our office and I obviously still have the stuff. We'll bring it out and, and play for a party or whatever it is. But um, yeah, it's kind of my, I call it my fun business.
1: So let's let's hear those three songs you, you could, uh, you could do without oh my the rest God. of your life.
0: So, I, you know, I, and I, my mindset shifted on this a little bit, but it used to be things like the electric slide or the cha-cha slide or even those little line dance kind of kind of dances. I used to really, really get agitated by those. But then I kind of realized that those, those songs, as annoying as they are, they do bring people together and they will get the dance floor started. So I came to realize, especially when you get into older, a little bit older crowds, there aren't just, you know, the, the college crazy parties or whatever you get out to like a group of people and they're, you're trying to, you know, you're getting paid to entertain folks and get them out there on the floor. It's more about what the people want than what I want. And if uh, you can kind of have that mentality. It's more about the customer than it is ourselves. Uh, if those songs work and they get people out there and uh, they, they achieve what you were hired to do, they work. So some of those type of songs, probably the ones I, I, I really don't care to hear. But uh, at the same time, uh, you know, I, I will still I would still play them in the right setting if someone asked for it, and if I knew they're going to get out there and kind of get the party going. All right. All right. What Nothing. about you?
1: What's the song you don't like? <laughs> uh, it, I don't, you know, I, uh, that's a tough question. I, I love all kinds of music as well, Um, but I don't I've, I haven't worked 400 weddings or I haven't <laughs> been at, worked a bunch of frat parties where, you know, it's got to get to a point where you're just like, oh, no, I know they're going to I know it's coming. And and probably those songs happen every time. I,
0: I just and a lot a lot of times for for longest, there are certain songs that I just conveniently didn't have. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> that CD got a scratch on it. Sorry, it's going to skip. I can't play it. You know. Oh, so sorry. I'll have it next and time. Every, and then everything you know, you talk about equipment moving forward. Everything now, obviously, the controllers now are basically it's almost like a big joystick or a mouse because everything connects to the computer and everything's up uploaded to iTunes. And yeah. but I, I ended up purchasing about four thousand CDs when I was in college. Wow,
1: yeah, that's that talk about the investment.
0: Yeah, yes, but uh, you know, you got to invest in what you're doing to get become the best. You know, uh, yep. you got to invest in your time, going to real estate conferences, learning learning what you can learn from others, and the the, the tools that that make sense to solve problems that you actually have. You know, not not created problems that uh, you don't need the tool for. So, right. you know, a lot of a lot of a lot of good little things, kind of lessons learned, I guess, out of stuff as you kind of talk through it. So my DJ name was, uh, my name is obviously Rhett and I don't have an H in it, just R-E-T-T is short for Everett, but my nickname was Retro. So I was DJ Retro was my um, uh, DJ name for everything. And then now kind of coming forward, the name of my team that I've had for the last year is uh, Retro Group. So kind of funny how things come back around.
1: I like it. Well, you kind of shared your first year in the business then. Your first year in the business, you were still in school, you're doing the DJ stuff, you're selling real estate on the side. You had you're young. You're you're in your early 20s. Talk about some of the successes and also challenges, right, of being that young and being a realtor.
0: Sure. A couple of challenges that I that I uh, well, some of the successes I had, I guess, was uh, I was really good on the phone, and mm. uh, someone would call in, or I, and I was willing to learn, and you know, show up, and just I was just a sponge. Any, anyone that would share knowledge with me, I wanted to, to learn from them, whether I wanted to do what they do or not. At least I could learn something. So. I would talk to people on the phone and I could really help them figure out what they wanted that a lot of times I'd show up in person and that I'd kind of get this weird look like, you know, hey, are you the person I talked to? Yeah, that, that's me. I'm the same guy. Yes, I'm younger, but uh, you know, I, I, I know what I'm talking about or if I don't, I'm going to find out the answer for you. I won't tell you anything that I don't know and I like that it's, you know, something, you know, kind of made up. So, you know, it's all about kind of earning that respect up front. And I just kind of, you know, had to make a little bit of a joke about it, but I did have my picture on my first business card and that was, that was kind of an epic failure because I, you know, I was 21, but I looked like I was, you know, 15 to 17 and uh, it didn't, uh, didn't play very well for me. And I went many years before I did that, you know, without it before I came back, back around to seeing the value of, of that. But yeah, so that was, that was part of it. And then just willing to get out there and work. I mean, I, I think that's, you know, just having a strong work ethic, I think has a lot to do with it and just be willing to, I move forward with it. I didn't know at the time, but, uh, you, know, you know, a little bit later after I even selling real estate, going through some of the, the courses and personality tests and things of that nature, you know, you know, I'm not really bothered by someone telling me no. So I have, you know, this zero fear of rejection. And that probably helped me about as much as anything. That's something more that we're, I guess you're kind of born with or programmed with more so than, you know, a, a learned trait, but you can learn that, it's a numbers game with stuff. And the more people you talk to, eventually you'll find someone that'll say yes and you know, you figure out how to how to help them with whatever their real estate needs are.
1: Well, let's let's talk about you opening your own brokerage because now being a broker owner, you're gonna have to talk to people who probably don't have that same genetic predisposition <laughs> to ignoring a no. Yes. And I'm sure that's a big part of what you've had to do in the in the years since. But
0: how old were you when you decided to uh, to do your own thing? All right. So licensed in 2001, we ended up opening the brokerage as a startup. I'm, I'm a, a 50-50 partner on it. We opened Century 21 Novus in uh, August of 2015. So we're coming up on five years this wow. summer. Uh, but, but prior to that, actually, we just had uh, Curtis North as my business partner. We formed a partnership basically in January of 2009, so 10 years ago. And property management, right when the recession was really getting kicked off. You know, we're the South is still a little bit behind the rest of the world, and some aspects. You know, we, the recession happened a little bit later. Our recovery was later. You know, we're still catching up on construction. So there's a lot of little things that are that are unique or different, I guess, with with markets. But uh, property management is what we use to leverage into opening a brokerage. Uh, it's kind of out of necessity. We had employees. We were working at a brokerage. It, the setup wasn't exactly the best fit for what we were trying to do and grow and we really needed more room. So we bought an office and then we knew we were going to do something. And I spent about five years trying to figure out what was the best process for us to go through. Do we do an independent brokerage? Do we do, you know, align with a brand or makes sense. And then we kind of settled where, where it made the most sense for us. And it's been, been a good, uh, good fit, you know, moving forward. One thing that I do take pride in though, and, and this is, I guess a little different too. So, you know, that title broker owner sometimes is confusing because that's kind of what, uh, what, what it's called. But, I don't have a broker's license and I, I don't ever really intend on getting a broker's license. Um, we do have a managing broker uh, that we, we hired in last year, Sandy, she's, she's fantastic. But uh, Curtis is the qualifying broker and he's been the broker for many years, but uh, you know, that's just not really what I enjoy doing is that exact side of it. I like building people up, sharing knowledge and doing things that are going to help them grow their business. But some of the, the, the most basic of things that, that are required of that, that, person to, you know, that broker responsibility, I guess, is just something that really, I don't particularly enjoy all aspects of it. So it's better for us to hire that out to someone that's going to get, you know, really better service than they would from, from myself or, or probably, you know, even my partner. Yeah.
1: There, I mean, there's definitely a, uh, the accountability, the the herding of cats, I guess, yep. uh, that has to happen in that role because you, you got to be precise and, and on your game all the time. And it, it sounds like you're a little more creative type. You want to do the other things, right?
0: i i do but i like to sell real estate in the, the day like i'm a very strong mm-hmm. listing agent uh that's what i enjoy doing like i like to be involved in the deals and i think it helps keep me relevant with our agents in a way that to, to like listen i'm doing dealing with the same stuff you know this is how you use this product if it's not working for you are you are you using it in this way if not let's let's try to realign and see if we can make it work for you a little different uh approach from a business part kind of the same way uh, we, we we're on a team together for the first three and a half years or so and uh uh, decided to kind of, you know, do, do it a little bit differently. And, uh, strategy was a little, little different, some things I wanted to work on. So, uh, you know, it just sometimes it makes sense to kind of reinvent what you're doing a little bit or, or just try it slightly different. So one of the biggest game changers for me is, is uh, a year ago is hiring two assistants that, to kind of help me run the the day-to-day you know sales business that I have with, with just my own production. And then having a few agents kind of align with, uh, with a team like we're, like we're building with, with Retro Group and really just, um, you know, have the right people with the right mindset to, to really help do all the things that I'm terrible at and in a much better way, provide better service to our, our customers and clients. And then, you know, a lot of that aspect of what I have going on uh, is much better and then I can still you know, be able to devote time to the areas of the brokers that make sense.
1: You also devote a little, a uh, little of that free time you you're freeing up here as, as a volunteer, right? You're you're heavily involved, you know, local yeah. state.
0: Let's talk about that. Why that's important? Sure. Um, you know, I've served. I was our local board of Realtors president, 2012. I think it was 11 or 12. Yeah, 12, and very re- rewarding experience. So, serving different, um, you know, positions of leadership, and then being involved with state leadership, some uh, in a few positions, and then yeah, you know, several uh, national committees and a few presidential advisory groups over the years uh, with NAR, and uh, it's really good getting plugged in and, and just opens up so many uh, networking opportunities for that. So, uh, get, you know, go to some of the uh, the events and, uh, you know, conferences and get a chance to talk to different vendors and, and really just, you know, take the, the systems and tools we're using and maximize those by understanding how to use them better or at least know who to talk to to, to find out better ways of using it. So, that's been a A great uh, benefit, kind of gotten into doing a little bit of speaking and and some of that stuff at some of these events, too. Um, And if it's something that I I think we're doing okay at and I can share something, maybe someone else is going to pick up from. I think that's a good way of doing it because, you know, you you get what you give. So you give your time and and show what you're doing. It's amazing the conversations that happen after that, with people that have things going on. And uh, it's neat how you can take you can learn something from everybody you talk to. You know, sometimes you learn (laughs) that's not what to say or not what to do. Right, uh, or what that might sound like. That's not always. I That's very rarely the case. But usually, everyone has something they bring to the table and, and attribute to what's going on. And sometimes it's the smallest little statements or comments made that the missing piece to, to making what you're trying to do work at a different level. So that's that's one of the biggest takeaways for me.
1: There's a similar feel for for why you are a fan of and Connects. I know you you attend. I think also yes. you're there a lot and sure. talk about how that helps your business, those connections, and um, you know, really why others need to really budget the time and money to get there.
0: Oh, absolutely. You know, uh, every, every, all the events are a little bit different and the feels a little bit different and and kind of a little different, a little different fit, a little different vibe. But at the same time, there's a lot of the same people go to a lot of these different ones. And there's a lot of crossover with different, different industry people. But, uh, you know, you just get to hear some of the brightest minds in the business talking about what they do and why they do it. And, you know, I, I like to, I like it when you get a chance to hear someone that's really out there in the trenches going through the same kinds of things and helping you get to that next level um, by learning from what, what's uh, going on. You know, this, uh, I always got the, the the term growing up, you know, life is too short to, to buy every lesson or a bought lesson. And uh, we all know what that is. It's when you you pay dearly for a mistake that you made when you could have easily uh, just did a, did a little research, taught to a few people and possibly avoided a catastrophe. So a lot of times, you know, that's kind of what I, what I view it as. I, there's a lot of new software coming out. Why is it better than the one that I have? And sometimes this night and day difference, you know, you need to use this because this, this is better over here or hey, it's it's got its own quirks as well. You know, nothing's perfect. Nothing's really going to replace the human interaction that we need to have with our clients, the phone calls, the conversations, all that good stuff. You know, but the, the right tech can really help, you know, organize you a little better, but you still have to know kind of how to use it. And is it really the fit that you think that it is? And there's so many times that uh, uh, you can get a misconception about how to use something uh, good or bad kind of make or break does it does it really make sense um for you know spending your time effort effort energy resources on a new new tool or or a new process or new a new venture with inside of uh, real estate.
1: Yeah you're right and, and all those conversations are happening if they're not on stage, they're happening in the lobby, right? Absolutely
0: yeah. uh, you know you get you know I always tell people, so, you know, when I' go to one of these events you know and a lot of times people come me the first time I was like you're gonna be real, really exhausted you got to pace yourself but like we're gonna be at the eight o'clock meetings and I'm gonna be there at last call at the bar the lobby because that's where you get a chance to, to have the conversations with pretty much everyone there if you, you know not everyone stays up late but not everyone gets up early so it's all that in between um you know conversation you get to have with people and I think it's it's, it's just so valuable just getting a chance to um, you know kind of hear what people are doing. And, and it's neat how you're talking to one person and someone you've never even met comes up and starts talking to them. And then all of a sudden you've got a new friend out of the conversation and and it's helping you grow in an aspect of your business that you were struggling. Yeah.
1: Let's, let's go back to your company. Uh, your, your partners, you and your partner opened up a century 21 franchise. Let's talk yes. about, first of all, choosing century 21 and, and sec, I love the name. Um, I'll let you tell me about the name. I did a little sure. digging, and then, uh, I also the the third part to this question is going to be how important culture is. I imagine it's a big part of how you add agents to your uh, to your team or to your company, I should say. So I've, I've given you a lot there, but I'll let you run with it.
0: Sure, sure. If I miss one of the questions, uh, definitely me uh, really back it. in. But uh, mm-hmm. so Novus um, Novus means new and exceptional in Latin. That's kind of the definition we we uh, picked from it. So we want to do something new and exceptional to our market. So one of the main reasons why we we've even opened a brokerage is the place that we wanted to work locally didn't exist. So getting a chance to get out there and, and see what other people were doing in different markets, how their office was being run or what it looked like or how it felt and everything, the whole culture of all that just didn't really exist. So I was like, we, we're just going to have to create that uh, that environment we want to work in. So that's, that's kind of what we did. And we wanted a name that wasn't really tied to a person uh, per se, but it was more tied to, you know, something that was positive. So that 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 had a lot to do with uh, with the name as well. So the reason wasn't Century 21. I had a good friend, Terry Swanson, that had a, a, a very successful office, watched him go from independent, aligned with Century 21 a few years before us. And it worked really well for his office. Uh, but I literally interviewed 25 different franchise models at the time. Just keep in mind, this was, you know, five, eight years ago, but it was over a, a five-year period. I, I interviewed a bunch of them and really just try to find out not just the 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 sales reps but people that worked in the brand you know worked for a brand that liked it people who worked for a brand that didn't like it you know people that own that, that were broker owners you know all all gamuts you know office managers whatever and just just kind of just had conversations more than just drilling the same questions i really wish i'd researched or like you know documented a lot of the stuff a little bit better but uh, more just conversation stuff and realize a lot of models didn't make sense for the way that we really wanted to operate, but it, uh, Century Twenty One had a lot of benefit for us and where we wanted to be and the things that we wanted to do, and it, and it just it's it's been a great decision for us, and it's it's really worked out well for us, and we're still, you know, having a great time with it. Uh, you know, really, it's it's uh, I probably do the same thing; I'd do it over again. There's a lot of different models now than there were then, but um, it, it works well for us, and. It gives us the opportunity to offer something very high value, and can deliver a lot of things that are already kind of prepackaged together. We can enhance a lot of that stuff that, that through opportunities um, through advertising and relationships that are there, and uh, it really just uh, allows us to offer maximum advertising for you know our agents and their clients. So that that was had that had a lot to do with it.
1: I imagine you're pretty tight with guys like Eddie up at Redwood or Bill Loveland, uh, yeah. in Philly. <laughs>
0: Eddie was actually very instrumental helping us come on there, and Bill as well. And I mean, there's a lot of great guys in the, and the and and women in the brand. Uh, and you just meet more and more friends as it goes. And that's not, I'm going to ask you
1: a kind of a real hyper local question, a little bit little off the beaten path. But uh, Sean Black and Knock, right? right, right, right in your backyard in Atlanta, right? They they launched their uh, their trade in your home iBuyer buyer program, we'll call it. And uh, so let's talk about that conversation because you've been at the Connect events, I've been at. I buyers have been out there the last three or four of them uh, as a main topic on the main stage. How are things going with you there? How are you combating, if if that's the word, or how are you working with or assimilating or whatever you want to call it, the the new models?
0: So, so we're a little bit further out uh, for some of those, but some of them are entering in our market. I mean, it's 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 here. So I mean, I don't expect to go anywhere. We have like six different I buyer. Uh, you know, companies here in the Atlanta area. So, uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's a reality. That's that's come up. Some people are gravitating towards that, but but you know, at the end of the day, a lot of people really want to get full value for their house. You really only have one home to sell, and that's where education just kind of comes in. Well, if you want the an auction type price, that can that can work. Or if you want, you know, a uh, you know, demonstrate the value of what we bring to the table when we list a property and how we can create competition within the market advise you on the few things we could do to, to make your home you know stand out from the rest and a lot of that would you be willing to spend a little bit of time to get a significant amount of more money some people can and some people can't it really just depends on the circumstances but most of the time people would rather go the, the latter route and go more of a traditional that we have experienced because of you know demonstrating value it's always a conversation that we're having to combat and uh, I think we'll, we'll see it more and more you know you tell people how long does it take you to make ten thousand dollars? and that's, you know, or, or whatever it is, you know, if you can make it in, in in a week or so, great. But, you know, if you can be patient, we can probably take about that amount of time if you'll do a few, a few things and actually make possibly more money, even after paying, you know, the, the fees and stuff. So, and that's where you can go down and look at it. And, and sometimes, uh, you know, some of the companies are offering pretty high prices. So that makes a little bit challenge uh, too. And some of those are still are, are starting to sit, you know, when they bought them and try to resell them. So, I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting to see. They got plenty of money to work with, so we we can't dismiss it. But I think it's more of a uh, something that's kind of a comp. I don't, I don't know yours compliment, but it's a there are ways to it, it, incorporate. It, I think within your your brokerage model potentially some of them. Obviously, mock not, not is I don't believe it's one that, that likes to play, but uh, no. <laughs> we'll pay we'll pay a commission. So. Put that in your arsenal um, something I learned uh, you know recently from some of the, the conversations a lot of people are, are having that as another option you know hey do you want you want that option of uh, in, instant cash offer we can get that for you as well and then go through the process of doing that I don't want to speak too much detail of that because I haven't implemented it yet but I've got I've heard several good speakers I'm sure you have as well a lot of the same ones that people are you know taking embracing it and realizing all right Let's 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 join the game. Let's let's leverage some of their own tools, leverage some of those companies to see if it even makes sense. Um, and a lot of times you can get, you know, talk through the whole process and uh, show people where where your value comes in.
1: Right. I mean, they're, they're like there's definitely the certainty and the convenience of what they offer, but it it comes at a relatively steep price. And and so that's the conversation that I think agents have to get better and better at as as time kind of as we keep moving down this path. Right.
0: Yep. Yeah, you get a you know, convenience has a price. So, and and sometimes it makes sense.
1: You know, I, I would be remiss if I did not ask you this question. Uh, I'd probably get hammered by a number of people in the imman world if I didn't say. You know, ask you about some of your, we'll call it your outfits, your attire. Right? <laughs> you have been known to show up in some really bright gold stuff and some other I mean it's really fun so I'm always like I'm on I'm on the lookout where's red where's red red Harmon's coming in here soon let's talk about that first of all is it do you have a stylist or is it you that's that's my first question and second it, it's got to be some sort of a branding play cuz look I'm talking about it so you you
0: you won right that that's that's the thing and it really like I said I, I we all take ourselves way too serious <laughs> yeah. so often and uh you know uh, lighthearted humor. It, it amazes me like how stuff works and it's almost, you know, it's more of a mental game with myself. Like, you know, I'll, I'll show up wearing a ridiculous, like American flag, you know, suit or one that's, uh, uh, you know, a different print. Uh, these are all polyester suits. The website that I buy them from, I'm not sponsored by them or anything, uh, you know, maybe one day, but, uh, Shinesty, that's S-H-I-N-E-S-T-Y, Shinesty.com. They, uh, have some really cool, fun stuff on there. Uh, whatever events going on it started out with christmas stuff and it kind of just evolved from there i guess on ugly sweater parties what what originally um where this originated maybe three years ago and there's like this sequin vest or sequined uh you know jacket that someone said hey you should wear this instead of the sweater it's like i'll wear that and then that and then people started tagging me in other like christmas suits so i ended up buying one or two of those and then i'd show up in some of those and people just kind of went nuts over it. and i said like, this is kind of fun but and then people, the other question is, I don't see how you can wear that. I said, well, it's pretty easy for me. I feel sorry for you having to look at it, but I don't actually see it. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but but what I found is it was very very interesting as the human behavior with with being that ridiculous or that far out there with something. And I look, I don't I don't take myself too serious, and there's no, you know, I'm not trying to. Uh, it's it's just kind of gimmicky, I guess, but it, it's 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 more fun than anything else. But it makes me approachable. One of my probably strongest like attributes of businesses. Like I have, I'm really effective at networking and working a room or a crowd of people that I know some of or slash don't know, because I'll talk to a wall. I mean, I'll, I'll talk to anybody, not, you know, very, very little fear of rejection, but I'm good at meeting people and connecting people and, and having conversations. So what I found is a lot of times, not everyone is is open to coming up and talking to other people, but by wearing something as ridiculous as, you know, the, the gold, Converse shoes and the, you know, the, the uh, snake skin suit, which is polyester looks like snake or whatever, but uh, people come up to you and talk to you. And I've made a lot of friends that way, um, just because it was a little bit different. And uh, people had, had fun with it. A lot of people want to, you know, take pictures uh, with you and stuff. So uh, that, that's kind of a little bit weird, too. People you don't know want to get a photo. But you know, I guess it kind of comes uh, comes with it. it it's exhausting, because <laughs> you're, you're kind of on the whole time. But what I found of anything else, it definitely makes people feel more more relaxed and more open to having a conversation with even the ones that don't like it that kind of have that weird look it's like oh my gosh what is this guy wearing now they're still like i said they're talking about it and uh they don't get it why is he wearing these these you know leprechaun uh, lucky charm seats well you know it's you're having you're talking about what's going on so yeah uh, it's just it's just kind of being being top of mind we're in the attention uh business i mean let's face it that's at the end of the day uh, you know a lot of things is not what you know it's who you know and and can you get people to connect with you and uh, it's just more of a, a an icebreaker, if anything else. it's an easy icebreaker and then uh you know but what what's what I didn't anticipate from it is like you'll you know I'll show up somewhere and that that conversation starts That like, red, what I can't believe you're not dressed up today you're you know I'm wearing like actually a legitimate nice you know <laughs> nice suit or whatever, and they're like no, uh, you know they want to see the the hundred dollar polyester party suit that's very uh uncomfortable and hot to wear but uh you know, if that's what people kind of turn to, uh, to kind of know me from, which is which is fine. So it's kind of people like it. I'll I'll do it for a while. If people get tired of it or it gets played out, I'll I'll stop. You know, you never know. It's like anything can, has a a shelf life. I don't know what it is, but uh three years into it, I've got close to thirty suits, uh, which is a lot of money. But I have made a lot of money off those through connections that I've made. Well, I think it's great.
1: I think it's awesome. I, you, you. I I kind of align you with Dale Chumley. He'll he'll do the same yeah, thing a little bit yeah, from the exactly. West Coast. Yeah. So you got. Got that West Coast and the South covered. I love it. Hey, look, I'm going to wrap this up because I've had, I've had you here for plenty of time. Uh, I've asked sure. the same last question to every guest on the show, and, and that's if, if you could give one piece of advice to a new agent just
0: getting started in the business, what would it be? One piece of advice. Gosh, there's so many. Learn the systems that, that, that are around you and maximize those, maximize those systems when you have time. You have so much time when you're a new agent, learn how to search properties, learn how to do the, the CMAs, learn the tools that your brokerage provides to you. And then also the, the tools that our industry provides to us. You know, if you if you, you know, join Inman and there's there's tools that are on there, use those tools. Obviously, NAR has um, RPR and there's some other things that are associated with it. Your, your MLS has other tools that are associated with it. The CRM that, that you're provided or that you decide to buy. learn all those things. And learn the way that they're supposed to be used and use them in that that form or fashion. Once you finally start figuring out the whole sales part of it and the client part of it, you're so much further along. You can can gain so much more momentum faster by using the things that you already have at your fingertips if you just take the time to learn it. I'm so jealous of new agents from the standpoint of their time because I, I can't just devote two, three weeks to learning how to go back in and do all the new searches on stuff or how to maximize this or whatever it is. I use a lot of those tools technology pieces, but I probably only use them at 75, 80% of what they could be used at. But if I took the time and use them at hundred percent, I could be so much more productive. So that, that's my, my advice. I'm going to give two, we give one other one. And sure. I've Go ahead. Some before hire an assistant after you've had your first closing or as soon as you can, as soon as you can like legitimately afford it. If you can get that person to help you, but don't hire your friend or somebody that you like, hire someone that, that compliments the things that you're not good at, like I'm very ADD and very out there, high D, high I. I think you doing your the personality check on yourself with this profile, really important. Finding the ones that complement uh, where your your uh, weaknesses are. I'm not very good with paperwork. I'm not very organized with stuff, and you know, timing uh, of things is is tough for me to keep up with. So having people that can keep me on track and help me do the things that uh, I'm, I'm not the best at, it, it just takes you to a whole other level, uh, and it's so much more enjoyable.
1: Rhett, if somebody wants to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to do that?
0: Probably uh, text. uh, My cell is 678-520-6381. Text or call. And uh, if you want to email me, you can do that. That's not the most effective, but it it does get to me. And I I do have my assistant help me organize with it. But it's Rhett Harmon at Gmail, R-E-T-T-H-A-R-M-O-N. And you can find me on yeah, you know, all social media. I'm out there in in some form or fashion, and uh, like I said, have have a lot of fun with video.
1: Red, I uh, you do, and that's great. I I, I I encourage everyone to go find Red online, go find him on Facebook and Instagram, have some fun. And Red, I can't thank you enough. Um, I will look for a couple images. I'm sure if I can't find them, I'm sure you can help me with a couple of suits we can put in the show notes as well, as well as the links. Absolutely. And so uh, I really appreciate your time. Thanks for, uh, for checking in on a busy Monday for you, but I really appreciate your time.
0: Yes, sir. Thanks, Bill.